Um, we're in Psalm 35, but it's all up on the screen. Let, let those uh, be like chaff before the wind. Uh, you know, growing up in this farming community, you guys get the picture of just the chaff as you're farming and it, uh, all, the, all the worthless stuff from the, the wheat and the hay and the straw and how it oftentimes will just settle on the, the equipment, you know, and you got to get the blower and blow it off and it just flies off in the wind. The wind will blow it away. Uh, it's, chaff is often used in the scriptures as a picture of the worthless stuff, you know, the, the worthless stuff that's just nothing. It can just blow away in the wind, and uh, David's prayer is like, anyone who um, wants to seek after my life, um, and let them just be humiliated, let them be confused as they're trying to plot for my hurt, uh, let it be just like chaff in the wind, just floating off, they got no strength, no power, but then we have, and let, I mean, you could, you could take it in the theology and say, let the angel of the Lord chase them, uh, and let Jesus our shepherd pursue him and chase after them or her. Um, And again, in verse six, again, let the angel of the Lord pursue them. And so we've got Lord chase them, Lord pursue them, whether it's, you know, your angel Gabriel or whether it's, um, you know, Jesus himself chase after pursue in your judgment um, speaks of hounding them and um, driving them along and tripping them up and exposing them to danger uh, verse six said, let their way be dark and slippery, you know, uh, just frustrating, trying to make any motion, any movement, can't see where they're going, slipping and sliding and no forward advancement. Jeremiah 23, 12, Steph, I'll let you read that. Verse seven, for without cause, they've hidden their net for me in a pit, which they have dug without cause for my life. Let destruction come upon him unexpectedly and let his net that he has hidden catch himself into that very destruction. Let him fall. The literal translation is let destruction he does not know come upon him. And so uh, a couple repeated words that we'll see in this chapter is uh, in verse seven, without a cause, without a cause, two times in verse seven. So Whatever David's going through, you know, he's an innocent party uh, in this conflict. Um, they, they're angry with him without a cause. And, you know, Matthew 5, 22 might come to your mind uh, where Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And um, it's actually uh, not in the uh, majority text or the original manuscripts, that phrase, without a cause. I'm not sure exactly how that got put in there. Um, and so you could say, you know, we try to justify ourselves in our anger that Jesus's point here is that you might as well murder the person if you're that angry and hateful towards them. Uh, and we often justify, well, I've got a cause, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but the original is, um, man, if, if you're angry with your brother, you're in danger of judgment. And so, man, that anger needs to be uh, resolved. Um, and so there's this net, uh, this picture of the net and a pit and a trap that these enemies of David have been setting for him. And, um, multiple times in our Psalms, you guys might remember, he prays the prayer that these guys would fall into their own traps, uh, that they have been digging. Hi, easy. Good to see you, brother. That's, that's all right, man. 
Uh, Psalm 9.5. Aaron, you want to read this? Or I'm sorry, it's 9.15. Right. And, uh, and so this continued theme that David would constantly say, let his net that he's hidden catch himself. And in that very destruction, let him fall. And, and you can picture maybe many of you are going through things personal or, you know, we just imagine the, the way the enemy is digging traps and setting snares and he's so wily, you know, he's, he's trying to set up devices to cause us to stumble and fall and the spiritual enemy, the traps and the various traps and the, the prayer is they're working on that. They're trying to trip us up, cause us to stumble, trying to humiliate us, trying to destroy us. Lord, let them fall in their own pit, their own, I mean, and you guys are smart enough to understand the irony in that, you know, that whatever they had been planning, that is their own demise. And in all of that, it just shows the sovereignty of God over the situation, that he knew exactly what they were trying to do, and he's going to have them fall in a way that it was their own trickery that they're eating. They're, they're eating their own medicine, or what's the saying, you know, <laughs> the taste of their own medicine, I should say. And it's the picture in Esther of Haman, you know, who's trying to annihilate the Jews. And so he gets this whole plan, you know, where he sets it up uh, for genocide. And then he ends up at the end of the book hanging on his own gallows that he made. And that, the whole story, you just, you don't have to be a genius to read the story and go, isn't it ironic that he died on his own gallows that he made? And then it causes you, the, the name God is not mentioned in the entire book, but it causes you to worship God in his justice and righteousness and the beginning of our psalm tonight said, Lord, stand up and fight for me and get your shield and your spear and go to battle. And when they fall in their own pit, it shows just how perfectly he goes to battle for us. The same with Daniel and the governors and the satraps and how they were jealous of him. And so they made the law that you can't pray to any god but uh, but the king of the Medes and the Persians. And, and they set that law in order trying to trip him up. And uh, he ends up going to the lion's den and doesn't get eaten, you know. Uh, but what happened to those governors and satraps? By the end of the day, or the end of the next morning, I should say, uh, there they are. And the, the lions eat them up before they even hit the ground, you know. And so that's kind of this picture here. It's just um, God in the way that he causes the enemies to fall, it brings him glory. And, uh, you know, you can pray that over the people in your life uh, that are enemies. It's hard to say that word, you know. We want to be loving, you know. We can love our enemies, as Jesus is saying. But, but Lord, resolve this in a way that's going to bring you glory. Cause it to stop in a way that, you know, it, it brings humility to the person and it brings glory to you. And, uh, and so that's, that's been a prayer on my heart. It's a prayer as we go through trials. Um, and it strikes fear in me because I don't want that to be me. <laughs> I don't want like, oh, I've got this little thing that I'm planning and it's just totally going to bring someone to destruction. And the Lord's like, watch out because I'm going to use it on you. Watch it. <laughs> and uh, verse 9, uh, interesting. So we've kind of been in this like, ah, part of the psalm, you know, and we're going to whoop, we're going to go kind of up a little bit and then we're going to go through, ah, and then we're going to go through another whoop part. Um, verse nine, and my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. So 
what happens when the enemies fall into their own pit and it just shows how God fought for us? It causes us to worship, right? Uh, it causes us to be joyful and exalt the Lord and, and um, be cheerful about salvation. I think three times in this chapter, maybe two or three times, the word salvation is used, speaking of deliverance and victory. Um, but in order to have salvation, what must you have? Or I should say, who must you have? The Savior, right? Uh, someone has to be doing the saving. And uh, in Luke 2.11, that's a good little Christmas verse for us, Blaine, if you'll read it. So David's writing our psalm, and in his very city, one day the Savior would be born uh, his son, Jesus, um, from the tribe of Judah. And then First John 4.14, Jeremy. And so, you know, you can do a, a quick search in your Bible software, and Savior's going to come up all through the Old Testament. God the Savior, God the Savior, God the Father the Savior. Uh, but then we see just the ultimate Savior coming in uh, the New Testament Jesus, the Savior of the world, um, who was sent by the Father. Verse 10, all my bones shall say, Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him? Yes, the poor and the needy from him who plunders him. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to sing a song tonight. Uh, we've done it before here, but um, just the songs that came to me as I was studying is... Uh, um, did it about two or three weeks ago, that uh, all the earth will shout your praise. Um, these, uh, my heart shall cry, these bones will sing, you know. And uh, maybe that was taken from this psalm. Our bones are going to sing, just our inner man, our, just our structure. Lord, who is like you, so just, caring about the poor, delivering them from the one who's too strong. Exodus fifteen eleven. Delina, do you want to read that? So I want you guys in that song to let your bones sing. <laughs> My mom is so sweet, and I would say precious. Um, and uh, she has all of these cute little sayings that she does. And one of them that my friends have always loved, all my friends that know her, is she would always come up to and say, oh, bless your bones. <laughs> and uh, so let's let our bones be blessed, and let's bless the Lord and shout out, who is like you, Lord? She's going to listen to this, and so we have to, uh, might need to edit a little bit, Jeremy. <laughs> We all like it. So, all my bones shall say, Lord, who is like you? And then uh, in verse 11 and 12, we have a type of Christ here where fierce witnesses rise up and they ask me things that I do not know. They reward me evil for good to the sorrow of my soul. And so just a picture of Jesus there being on trial, having the false witnesses rise up. They would talk and talk and talk and talk, and he just would stay silent. Not that he didn't know how to answer, but he was, was silent. And then, um, you know, remember when it was in John 8 that um, they took up stones to stone him, and Jesus says, for which of my good works are you stoning me for? Um, you know, here, here it says they're just returning evil for all of the good that he did. And you just think of the Gospels, you guys know, just think of all the healings and how multitudes and multitudes came to be healed and have demons cast out and uh, the paralyzed and the epileptics and the, you know, just so on and so forth, just nothing but good and bringing life everywhere he went. 
and his reward was evil for good. Uh, Verse 13, but as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting and my prayer would return to my own heart. Uh, As Job 30.25 says, Paula. So how neat to see King David having a heart of compassion. Um, And then we, of course, see the son of David having a heart of compassion, moved with compassion. Language actually means bowels of compassion is the literal translation. Just in the deepest part of him, he was groaning and had compassion on people. King David was like that. Kind of neat to think of him as that, that even his own enemies, he would weep for his enemies when they were in trouble. His deep inner man, his soul was grieving uh, for the poor and uh, and he would fast for them. And uh, one just neat thing, fasting was something that David practiced. He would fast. And we see in this text, fasting is a way to humble ourselves. He would humble himself. And interesting that um, he would humble himself in fasting for his enemy, which is just constantly putting that before the Lord. Like, is there any reason, way that I'm, the enemy here, Lord, show me that. And uh, I just have some good news. You know, for the last year, we have fasted regularly. One of the big things of our week-long fast, and it was out in the open here, was we were fasting that God would bring reconciliation uh, with people and um, uh, that have left in this last year. And fasting and praying, fasting, you know, every Wednesday we're fasting. And um, we got an, an a message from a man um, who was probably one of the harshest opponents to us in the last year. And he asked for forgiveness and he asked, and he just confessed that he left in rage and anger and was wrong. And it's ruined so many relationships and just, you know, we could hardly write back fast enough, like boom, done forgiven. Like, I just want to hug you right now, you know? And, and uh, just, so just praise God. I mean, this is, probably one of the harshest opponents to the entire thing. And um, in fact, I was with Blaine when I got the message and I was like, this, was this from, is this real? Is this, you know, and we were just able to rejoice and, you know, still disagrees with the membership stuff. And that's okay. Like, that's okay. Don't have to agree. Like, let's just keep loving each other and moving forward in the kingdom. And so just pray you guys, because we would just love to give God glory for whether people come back here or whether we're just, all right, let's just keep pressing on advancing the kingdom and loving each other, you know. Um, Sunday, this Sunday is a, an all-community worship night at Eastside, and Adam's going to be playing the piano at it, and I'm going to be praying at it, and there may be people that, you know, they're enemies right now, you know, as, as harsh as that sounds, and that God would just, man, let the spirit of the living God, who's the God of unity, bring unity again so we can give him glory and um and maybe this is just the beginning of that happening and the answer to fasting and we just were able to tell him and we just know we weren't without sin we're just asking the lord show us our sin we failed we may have not been tactical like just but we just want to reconcile just forgive us we were able to say forgive us and so um you guys can just keep praying that maybe that would have momentum and just bring some incredible healing, you know, um, but praise God for that. And so David was a guy that humbled himself through fasting. As Ezra says, that's a reason for fasting. Ken, you want to read this Ezra eight twenty one? 
So I love this. This is like a life verse for me. Um, humbling for, um, or fasting for humility and fasting for direction. And, uh, and so, man, if you ever start seeing yourself get a little haughty, walk with a little bit uh, too much pride, and, uh, and maybe you're just carrying on sin that you know, just needs to be repented of, fasting. And I might just also mention, um, I don't know, maybe you guys know this already. I know I've mentioned it, but um, the elders are fasting every Wednesday um, for, um, I think primarily we have a focus of intimacy with Christ and also um, just God giving wisdom for the building. And, that, you know, we do have a specific direction we're kind of going right now. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen, but we're, you know, pursuing that and pursuing some loan stuff. And so far, God has just been kind of doing some neat open doors every time. And we're just, we're willing and ready for any closed door that he would bring. And, and so uh, just as we're kind of going down that path, we'd ask anyone that wants to fast with us to fast with us. And, um, and we're also fasting for Nepal and the next step in Nepal. And, uh, and so those are just two big things that we're just carrying in this season. And um, whether it's all day or one meal, we'd love to have you guys join us in the fasting. Um, verse 14, I paced about as though he were my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one mourns for his mother. So thinking of you there in that barb, how you were um, bowing down and crying out for the Jehovah's Witness that you shared with today. And, um, you know, just our own enemies, they're going through times of trouble, but we would fast for them. We would pace about just uh, mourning for them, praying, bowing down heavily, laying down on our face, crying out uh, as someone really close to us had just died. And, you know, neat to hear that in David. And, of course, we see that in the teachings of Jesus as well. Easy, could you read Matthew five forty three through 48? Uh, you know, this is completely counterculture. This is counter world, world system, world view. You know, um, you know, the world has it down to revile when you're reviled. That's they've got that. But when they see loving in the midst of persecution, when they see laying down your life in the midst of torture and and the battle, um, that's something that strikes something to them and brings them out of that state of being an enemy. Uh, it's the whole kill them with kindness concept, you know? And um, Romans twelve fourteen also kind of elaborates on that. You want to read that, Shannon? So the word bless means actively pursue their happiness. And you just got to kind of do a little brain work to think of what that could look like maybe in wherever there's someone who's persecuting you, but just going out of your way to... Um, just make them happy, making them happy and causing them to uh, to see that. That's what Jesus has done for his enemies. 1 Corinthians 4.12, Barb. So blessing in the midst of persecution. And David did that as he, um, even in his own prayer closet, was just laboring fervently in prayer, grieving and weeping and interceding and fasting for his enemies as they were in troubled spots. Uh, our text uh, Psalm 35, verse 15, but in my, in my adversity, or in my limping or stumbling, it means, they rejoiced and gathered together. Attackers gathered against me, and I did not know it. They tore at me and did not cease. With ungodly mockers at feasts, 
they gnashed at me with their teeth. And so you see the, the contrast. So you got David who's fasting and praying and weeping and mourning as if it was his own mom who's suffering and dying. And then you've got the, the wicked and the enemy that are, they're called attackers and they're cheering when they hear that he's going through tough stuff. They're violently tearing at him and they're not stopping. They just keep, um, uh, keep up that tearing at him. Uh, later on, he's going to call them lions. And, um, uh, and, and he says that they gnash at them with their teeth. And this is all, it'll start to sound familiar to like Psalm 22 and the Psalm of the Cross there. Um, but verse 16, it, it means that they even hired special professionals to come to the feast and mock and, uh, and ridicule David um, at, at those times. And you know, it's interesting. I just had a thought as I was studying it how the ungodly are gathering together to plot the destruction of the righteous are the righteous gathering together to pursue righteousness and to plot not the destruction of them, but to plot the blessing of them. And that might be a good word for us tonight. And you know, I know specific times where people got together to specifically destroy us. And, you know, man, are, maybe we need to be just getting together to specifically love and pray. And maybe tonight that'll be a direction of prayer tonight is just praying some blessings over them um verse 17 lord how long will you look on rescue me from their destructions my precious life from the lions i will give you thanks in the great assembly i will praise you among many mighty people and so we kind of go up to this up we're going up again here in the psalm and it's a time of worshiping god and trusting god and that praise and cheering will be among many. And the language speaks of mighty people. And of course, speaking of the nations even, where they will um, rejoice in the Lord. Verse 19, let them not rejoice over me who are wrongfully my enemies, nor let them wink with the eye who hate me without a cause. So again, this is the fourth time we have that whatever is going on in David's life, his enemies it's wrongful that they're his enemies, and it's without a cause that they're um, his enemies. And so, Lord, just don't let them be able to rejoice over me or have like a, a wink or a pride in that I've been destroyed. John fifteen eighteen through 25, Mark. So really cool to see the Psalms quoted in the New Testament, specifically about Jesus. And, you know, we could sure get um, patting ourselves on the back like, oh, this person, you know, they have no reason to hurt him. You know, it's like, well, you know, we're just not as righteous as we think we are, you know. But Jesus, you know, it, it was fulfilled in Jesus. Um, and the whole world, the darkness did not comprehend the light when it came in, uh, as John 1 says. And, um, and because they hated him, they're going to hate us. And so uh, we can just expect that as we continue on this life of, you know, um, furthering the kingdom of God and representing Jesus and telling people of Jesus um, that we're not going to be loved and we're not going to be the popular ones. And um, we're okay with that. We want to fear God and him alone and follow the one who was hated without a cause. Uh, verse 20 of Psalm 35, for they do not speak peace, but they devise deceitful matters against the quiet ones in the land. They also opened their mouths wide against me and said, Aha, aha, our eyes have seen it. 
And just this idea of the enemy just waiting for you to fall, just watching and like, just, just, oh, just, if I could just hear that you've fallen or that you've stumbled or that things aren't going well, I will, ha, 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 yes, that is what I've been waiting for. Just as the, Dan- the governors did in Daniel's day, how they were like, they were being a little bit weird looking into Daniel's house, you know, as he knelt down to pray, as was his custom. And then they said, aha, gotcha, drag him to the, the pit of the lions. Uh, verse 22, this you have seen, O Lord, do not keep silence. O Lord, do not be far from me. Stir yourself up, or stir up yourself and awake to my vindication to my cause, my God and my Lord. Vindicate me. So vindication, vindicate. Just justify me, Lord. O Lord, my God, according to your righteousness. This is important to note. Not according to my righteousness. There's not a whole lot there to defend myself in. But according to your righteousness. And let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, Ah, so we would have it. Let them not say, We have swallowed him up. Our enemies who want to say, our snares have been successful. We have overwhelmed him with our plots and schemes. Oh Lord, don't, don't let that happen. <laughs> don't let that happen. Don't let the prideful have more reason to be prideful. Verse 26, let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion who rejoice at my hurt. And I'm just thinking of the, the battles of Absalom and so often in the scriptures, but with Absalom, when David's own son Absalom was going up to battle against David and just the Lord brought confusion in that battle to where they were killing their own guys. That mutual confusion. Lord, let there be, you know, if there's gossip going on, if there's scheming and slandering and just this, aha, aha, so we would have it. And just that it would just trap it, fall in their own trap, fall in their own net. Mutual confusion. Anyone who would rejoice at my hurt. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor who exalt themselves against me psalm 109 29 says it very similarly casey if you want to read it verse 27 let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually let the lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant a similar psalm stephanie you want to read it? psalm 40 verse 16 and verse 28 and my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. And just as we've seen in almost every psalm, when, oh, up, up, down, up, down, <laughs> you know, just going through the, the hard times, the depressed times, the, and at the end, just God is faithful, and I'm going to rejoice and magnify the Lord, and this tongue is going to speak of the righteousness of the Lord all the day long. And so why don't we go to prayer and, um, in just a minute. We're going to pray just a little bit, and then I'll have someone go... Uh, bring the kids in to worship with us a little bit um but let's just spend some time uh praying over just that the lord would stand and and fight and defend and you know bring out his shield and buckler and his spear and stop those who are advancing um against us personally corporately um maybe uh as the church um universally uh, persecution um and uh man i you know isn't it kind of hard to pray prayers like what david wrote you almost feel bad like should i really should i even admit that i have enemies should i even call them enemies should i 
should I really pray that they would fall and that they would be, I mean, let's just, here's our text tonight, you guys. Let's, let's pray out our text. <laughs> let's just let the word shape our prayers tonight. And I think our heart as we've come before the word is that, you know, it's that there would be uh, reconciliation with our enemies, that we would um, have fellowship restored, or those that would persecute the church, that they'd be saved. Um, or one-on-one relationships, that they'd be restored. And uh, let's just let the psalm, and maybe you've got a personal thing going on, and you would lift that up before the Lord tonight. We're going to move after this prayer time, because there is that second-to-last verse that say, anyone who, who rejoices with us when God does good things, they will be able to sing out, let God be magnified. And that's the, that's the exciting part of this all, is that, you know, here we are together, able to sing together, that God would be magnified. And we're going to have that time uh, tonight as well. First of all, Lord, we want to give you glory for just the, the incredible step towards peace and reconciliation with um, just brothers and, and people that have been hostile to us and hurtful and just plotting destruction and um, Lord, we just pray this in humility, God, because we know we are not righteous in it all, Lord. And um, I'm sure people even get tired of hearing about it, but it's just reality, Lord. And and Lord, we just uh, we want to rejoice, God, in what you've done this week that could only be you, Lord. Just a week and a half ago, we were talking about how things were worse and worse and worse, and and here we were able to say, wow, like this is a miracle that such humility and love and reaching out has taken place. And Lord, we want to give you glory. We thank you for working in this brother's heart just in such a way, Lord. And we would pray that you would continue that work, Lord, for his good, for his family's good, for the community's good, and for your glory, God. Lord, that you'd continue to just bring sorrow over just sin that was there and any other repentance that needs to take place. And, and Lord, just as the second Corinthians uh, in the Corinths were the Corinthians were told uh, that they're to just receive that brother back and just affirm love, lest they be overcome with too much sorrow. And, and so Lord, just help us to just be just like the father welcoming the prodigal son, Lord, just uh, killing the fatted calf and, and just showering with gifts and love and, just um, give us that grace to be able to do that, Lord.